I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Appreciate you checking in on us. The fights are underway in the UFC. We got boxing tonight also. Mario Barrios takes on Keith Thurman, but let's stay in the octagon right now. Excited to talk to our next guest, Tim Welch, the head coach for Sugar Sean O'Malley, also half of one of my favorite podcasts, the Timbo Sugar Show. Tim joins us here on the BetQL Network. Tim, just out of curiosity, because I've never really heard the story how did you and Sean I know you guys have been boys for a long time? Like, were you guys cool right away? How'd you guys end up meeting? I, uh, I was fighting for Bellator at the time and I was living in Phoenix, Arizona and I'm from great falls, Montana. Sean's from Helena, Montana. And I went up to commentate, um, some fights and he was 18 at the time, uh, still an amateur. And after one of his fights, I went up to him and I said, Hey, I, See, you got like some decent talent. Do you want to come train at a real gym with some real professionals? Um, and he came down, I think a week later, he, he, he flew down and um, stayed with me on my couch for a week and got beat up real bad. And he left. I thought I wasn't going to see him again. Then he packed his car up and moved down and we got an apartment. How long did it take you to realize? Because obviously, if he's getting his ass kicked early on, you weren't like, this is the dude just cool and I think I can train him when did you realize that he had the potential that he looks like he has right now um I've always known that he was a good athlete but probably probably second third fourth fifth pro fight every time the lights turned on and every time it was go time he always showed up he didn't make he didn't have any um meant really mental weaknesses you know he always showed up and he performed his best when the lights turned on and when the pressure was on. So that's when I was like, okay, I, I, we probably could take this kid pretty far. Tim, curious from your standpoint, like you're, you're still so young, you're, you know, 31 years old. Like when did you know that you could turn into coaching? Like were, were you apprehensive about getting into it like kind of full time and that being your path after your fighting career? Because like normally we see it's like usually the old wise trainer you you're you're very yeah. still got a lot of life to go like how did that how did you uh jump into that yeah it kind of happened organically but i i've i've had some some of the best coaches out there in my life and i've had some great mentors and it just kind of came about i had some back-to-back pretty severe injuries i completely tore my right bicep all the way up my arm tore my left bicep year after that um and then right after that, I ended up breaking my jaw. So during those times, I would I would just kind of help focus on Sean and help kind of guide him. And and it kind of and then I started teaching jujitsu. And then that jujitsu program shut down. So then I opened up my own jujitsu program and my own gym. And it just kind of it kind of happened organically. But basically through injuries, I kind of transferred into coaching mode. Why Phoenix? Like, it seems like that's a good fit for you guys, but like why Phoenix over maybe a place like Vegas or something like that? Yeah, I was training at Team Quest in Portland with uh, Chael Sonnen and Yushin Okami and some good wrestlers, but the gyms were kind of falling apart down there. And my um, girlfriend, she, her and her family opened up a marijuana business here in Arizona. So I Googled some MMA gyms in Arizona. and Benson Henderson was the champion at the time. So I, I contacted the head coach at the MMA lab, John Crouch, 
he invited me down. The first t- day I got down here, I was sparring with Benson Henderson. So I was like, ah, oh, this is where I need to be. This is where the best guys are. How much like, yeah, what, what is that? What is that experience like, man? The idea that when you get into uh, a sparring with, with a, with a guy, the caliber of Ben Henderson, like, do you feel immediately like I, I, I like you're jumping into the deep end? This is too much. Do you feel like, oh my God, I feel myself getting better uh, already? Like, what is what is all the emotions that kind of go through when you go in there with at the time a guy who's at the top of the game? Yeah, well, the, you get a lot of confidence. You know what I mean? I've always had a pretty strong mindset myself, and I know I've trained with really good people throughout my life. So going in there and, and sticking with him and sometimes beating him gave me a lot of confidence. Do you sit back and think about those names? Like, I mean, I've met some fighters and I've done some stuff, but I mean, we've already talked about Bendo and Chael Sonnen and Sean O'Malley. Like, bro, you're really deep into this thing. Yeah, I've really lucked out. I'm super, super passionate about fighting my whole life. So it hasn't been like a job. I haven't done it for like to to really be famous or done it for money. I've just done it because I love martial arts. I love jujitsu. I love fighting. And I've always tried to surround myself with the best people in every area. What were you thinking during the Motinho fight? Because I know what I was thinking. It had nothing to do with the money that I had on Sugar to win by knockout or how I was feeling because of what I was doing that night. But how are you feeling like watching that octagon side as your boy keeps punching dude in the face and dude won't go down? Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't really worried. I was a little bit worried about his hands because usually I don't wrap, wrap his hands with super big knuckle pads. And I kind of wrapped them with smaller knuckle pads. And there's been no one, even in training, or no one who's been able to take those kind of shots. So I, I knew the kid couldn't put Sean in any danger, and I knew he was going to dot him up all night. But I, I think he was just missing the mark just a little bit. And I think because he, he didn't get a spar any southpaws. Like, not once he got a spar a southpaw um, that fight camp. And then uh, within a couple of weeks, they got that fight and the sparring was already over. And I think that's the reason he didn't knock Moutinho out. But well, what I was thinking, I was just letting him, I mean, having fun watching him just paint job that kid's face. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Tim, so like, obviously, uh, you guys, the game plan going forth is, you know, you're talking we're hearing oh the big names are going to come all this that's like the big narrative now everybody wants to see sean step up in competition do you already know like do you feel like he is capable of of taking it out like as his coach like do you know he's already at that level this was just a smart game plan to to get through the the contract and business or are you thinking like hey we we have to get to another level because we know that the the names might get bigger and tougher yeah 100 percent um he's got so much growth like he's not even 
he's not even at 50% of how skilled he could be um, like physically um, strength wise on the ground. He's got so much growth to growth on the ground. He's really good. And he's at a very elite level. Like I definitely think he can hang with anyone in the top 10, but to really take out those guys in the top three spots, we really got to keep improving the skills and really got to keep grinding in the gym. You, and, and it's kind of hard now with, all, with the money, with the fame, but we just got to keep reminding him after every single fight, he's won i've reminded him hey we got to pretend we lost that fight pretend we fucking lost we got to go back to the drawing boards and just get better we have to get better because those top three top five guys are are super super elite and i know sean's undefeated i know he would tell me that much but i also watched the cheeto vera fight how much does he want to get that guy in the octagon again yeah we both know that fight's going to happen, especially if, if Cheeto keeps winning, that fight's going to be probably a main event down the road and it'll probably get a, um, get a lot of uh, gratification knocking him out. Can, uh, who, who's your favorite guy to watch uh, outside of your own guy? Like who is your favorite guy to watch right now in the octagon? Like, do you have a guy who, when they're on, you say you're a fight freak, like the, that guy's must see TV right now. I always enjoyed watching Jorge Mazadal because he's, he's always violent. He always brings an exciting fight. Um, so probably I, I like really like watching Jorge Mazadal and Nick Diaz. I like watching him also. I've heard Sean say that his goal, at least in the past when he got into this thing, was kind of to do what Conor McGregor did, which is to take over, become the global star. Do you think that's – is that realistic? Can that really happen with Sugar? 100%. And, and what it comes down to is him believing it, and he truly believes it. Um so 100%, he's, he's got the skills. He's got crazy talent. He's got crazy talent, and we're making sure to back it up with a good work ethic. And so 100%, the sky's the limit. How is he different? Like, is the success made him different? Because I remember seeing y'all uh, talking to Rogan, hell, like a few years ago, and I thought, man, these are some chill-ass dudes. Now that he's got all the wins, and now that everybody recognizes both you and him, uh, are y'all still the same guys? Yeah, we're both we're both pretty down to earth. You know, we know what's important: our relationships, the people around us, and our health are what's most important. So, n- nothing really changes except going out in public with Sean. A lot of people know who he is, and uh, people treat us a little different. But most of the time, we live in the west side of Phoenix, and it's like an old folks' home out here. There's nothing going on. There's no parties. There's not shit going on. So we we pretty much live like old people right now. Do you, uh, for for your career, like, do you look at now with coaching? Are you are you picking the brains of a lot of guys? Because you're obviously going to have a very long career in this, I'd imagine as well. Being uh, as passionate about, it, are you like, do you reach out to other gyms? Are you trying to learn different knowledge, different things to acclimate to to, to the guys that you coach? Yeah, of course. I have I have my podcast called the Red Hawk Recap, and I've been trying to get um, all the best coaches on there, picking their brains on on what the elite level people have in common what do they all have in common and i i'm uh good friends with a lot of the head coaches head coach at extreme couture eric nixick um yeah i'm good relationships with all those coaches so anytime i need advice on certain things they're a phone call away hey tim before you get out of here speaking of arizona and everything um every time i come out that a hoop and see my sister and brother-in-law i can't find any good ballers and i know that Sean has that little jump shot thing when he ends up winning by knockout. How good are y'all when it comes to, you know, dropping buckets? (laughs) That little fucker, uh, 
that little dude's good at dropping buckets. I'm not as good at dropping buckets, but I'll play some hard defense. Hey, that's We all need everybody, a guy. Everybody D, needs that. D3 and a little pick. Yeah, thanks so much for your time, Tim. We really appreciate your insight, man. That was a lot of fun. No problem, guys. Good talking to you. Okay, thanks, Tim. Tim Welch, that's a head coach for Sugar Sean O'Malley, of course. He talked about his podcast and also half of the Timbo Sugar Show podcast. We now have a co-candidate for Potty Mouth of the Year on Tapped Out. Like, I thought that nobody could outdo our guy earlier this year, but who was it that we brought on? No, he's still, he, he still didn't touch Calvin Cater. I mean, he, Calvin, 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 Cater, uh, Calvin Cater broke the radio. <laughs> hey, when you bring fighters on and you bring them on live radio, sometimes that's going to happen. Let's go back to Sugar real quick. I think that what they're doing is a perfect plan, a bit of a slow roll where if you've got the guy that's not only great in the octagon, but he's got the look and he's got the talk and he's got everything going for him, those guys are one in a million and they both understand it. So what's the rush? I understand that his fans, we want him to get in the top 10. Now he's ranked. We want him to fight all ranked fighters and top 10 guys and work his way up. Man, as long as at some point in like the next two years, he's still on the same trajectory, he's going to fight for the belt. And then at that point, we're talking about a young guy that might hold on to it for a while. What's the rush? Look, this is an interesting thing. I mean, we're at a time right now with the UFC where, like in the NBA, you know, there was a big thing with player empowerment and guys taking stuff into their own hands in their career. Like, um, I think with Sean, he's he's that he's a young dude. He's that next generation. They're looking at this as okay. I'm going to build myself up. I'm going to get to the uh, to the better contract, and then I'll go fight the hard fights. I think that's very different from what it's been, which is you're a savage. You'll fight anyone, anytime, anywhere, and you'll do it. And you'll do it for this amount of money. The guys, you know, people are smart these days, Sean. Like they know how much the UFC is worth. They know how many people are tuning in and watching. I think that's where that's where it comes into. So, you know, it's it's an interesting thing. Like he's the first one now, and so people look at it weird. But I think it it could definitely be trend setting. The difference between him and Connor, though, we talked about this earlier. BT is that Connor was shot out of a cannon. Now. I think the promotion kind of knew they had something with this slick talking Irishman, but they weren't. They threw him right in the deep end, right? I mean, right away, here's this Dustin Poirier, and here's Max Holloway, and here's all these different dudes. Obviously, after Seaver, but I'm talking about like the first four or five fights where guys that are in or on their way to the Hall of Fame. It feels like at some point, if Sugar's going to get that type of recognition, he has to fight that type of name. Yeah, definitely. Like, and I and I think that's probably what what is going to come. I think the thing that is going to be interesting is is he going to be a guy who is still going to wipe the floor with the competition, or are there going to be more battles back and forth? I don't think that there's anybody else, though, that the promotion wants to succeed, except for Sugar, maybe maybe Hamzad. But to me, I know one of those guys, both those guys for that matter right now, if you're talking about haven't really done a whole lot when it comes to fighting big name recognition, but when it comes to if the UFC had their way, to me, those are their dudes. Yeah, I think that for him, too, like he's just got the most crossover appeal too. you know, like they're, you know, on social media at all points. They're on Twitch. They're podcasting like dude just gets it, uh, gets it from having to touch all the angles of of being marketing, being recognizable, connecting with fans and things like that. So I think that's another thing that makes him uh, that, that makes him a little bit different in that regard from Hamzat, who looks like he's probably literally just living in a cave, coming out, smashing people and going back to sleep. I do think that Hamzad also is interesting because a lot of times we like guys that are really 
they can talk, right? Like it doesn't matter if Nate Diaz wins a fight. It matters what he says. It matters kind of how he looks. I think that overall, when you talk about a guy like Hamzad, he's smooth enough with his slow roll talk and kind of his laid back personality where as long as he keep winning, it keeps winning, he could be the superstar that I think Francis Ngannou could be as long as he keeps fighting in the UFC. Yeah, I mean, but that's the interesting thing, right? Like, you know, I would have thought for the UFC that they would be thrilled to have somebody like Francis, like get to the belt. Because the first, that's what they wanted the first time around. I don't think they realized they were going to have this kind of a battle with him. And you would think that you would be thrilled. Everybody's been looking at who's that next star after Conor McGregor. Who's the next star after Conor McGregor? I thought it was going to be Francis. Um, But now that they're in their own battle, so maybe it will be Sean O'Malley. No, there's definitely a lot of guys. Yuri Prohaska also it feels like the promotion is really interested in him. Now we know that he has his fight against uh, Glover coming up here right around the corner. Speaking of coming up next, we're going to tap out. And I'm curious, now that the Olympics are here, when is MMA going to become an Olympic sport? We talk about that. We'll rehash tonight's fight card, and then we'll officially tap out. You're locked in to the BetQL Network.